The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. This is News Talk. It is the Anton Savage Show, and I'm joined by Kevin Doyle, Group News, uh, Group Head of News at the Independent Group, and Brenda Power, columnist at the Sunday Times and the Irish Daily Mail. And we might have a quick look back at that story that I was talking to Doug Beatty, the Ulster Unionist uh, Party leader, about. Kevin, this is the fact that a, a big majority in Northern Ireland are against a united Ireland, two to one against the notion of a united Ireland. I would thought demographics were starting to run in the favour of those who wanted to unify. You look surprised, Anton. I'm not as surprised, to be honest, because while there's an awful lot of talk and I know Mary Lou Macdonald was on the Late Late Show last night suggesting that we should have a border poll by the end of this decade now bear in mind this is 20, we're almost 2023 so like mm. we've done no planning so why would you vote for something that you have no idea what it looks like and also politics is changing if you are and obviously it's very heavily weighted towards the, the, the Protestant community I think 79% of them want to stay in mm. the United Kingdom if you're in that community and you're looking at a situation where you could have five years of a Sinn Féin government in the Republic, um, you have a Sinn Féin-led Northern Assembly, that's not necessarily your vision of a united Ireland in the sense that this is the same party that's still defending IRA atrocities and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the move in the political tectonic plates are probably going to affect what's happening here because it's very hard to see, uh, put it this way, wouldn't it be great if they sorted out that tiny, small assembly Man, for half an hour and actually played nice and worked together yeah. before we tried to do a 32 county thing mm. with two parliaments and all the confusion that would come with that? So I think the fact that there's zero planning for it, I, I think many people in Northern Ireland are probably thinking, look at what happened in Scotland. Look yeah. at the buyer's regret that there is around Brexit at the minute. Maybe we should just calm down and sort out the Well, this is a point that, that Bertie Hearn made on this show several months ago where he said, if people don't have answers to all of the how's this going to work, what are we going to do questions, they'll just default to no. you think that, but then look at Brexit, as you say. Mm. I mean, people did not have answers. They, they had been given absolutely bumps here on so many so many but issues they and they had answers, a though. pig mm. in the a poke but they they, they didn't we're a little bit better at referendums than, than, than the Brits though we I hope we do a lot of them yeah, we, do. Yeah, we do but also I mean I, you, you mentioned there the demographics but it doesn't appear even if the demographics continued in to, to trend the way they are that, that that would necessarily guarantee enthusiasm for a for a, 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 um, a United Ireland because see there's Catholics in the north, one fifth of them favour staying in the UK, and one fifth are undecided. Like those are pretty substantial numbers. Okay, there's a majority amongst Northern Catholics, of fifty-five percent, but there's still a great deal undecided there, and that's that's at present. So there was a time when, if it was if it was pitch dark and you were in the back of a car and you were driving up to Belfast, you would know the point at which you had crossed the border because the roads, the roads got, got better. better. You just knew yeah. I'm over because yeah. and there was a lot of things are better. There was evidently more available state spending back mm. in in the eighties. And in fairness, you were stopped by a spotty young man with That is true, yes. The the, the (laughs) presence of assault rifles also gave you a clue, as did the helicopters. But that has now reversed and you would have thought that that would show up in these numbers that people would look mm. and say well economically access to the European Union mm. and mm. we it might be in our interests regardless of our politics but it's not coming through at all. And I think that is in, in the immediate aftermath of Brexit I think there was that quick rush to maybe mm. we if we if we have a United Ireland, we can stay in the EU and, yeah. and life would be easier in some ways. And I think the way that has played out over the last few years in terms of the backstop, remember that, yeah. the protocol, all the things that have happened. I don't know if people know what to believe anymore. Mm. What is the best scenario for Northern Ireland? And so I think when that's kind of, it's not to be project fear about it, mm. but I think part of the problem is if you're looking at this, if you're a businessman or, or woman, 
you'd be quite worried that no matter what you do is going to make it worse because everything they have done in recent times has made it worse. Yeah. Um, and so maybe you'd be better to try and stick with the status quo if you figure out a bit of stability for a while. So I, I don't see it happening in the next five years because I, I just don't think that people will be prepared to buy into something that they don't know what it means. And yet there's, there is enthusiasm for the idea of a poll. That's what baffled me. Yeah, they want to vote no. <laughs> <laughs> While we're looking at, at um, numbers that might be slightly counterintuitive, the Irish Examiner front page, warning of spike in RSV and child flu. So this is what we have been told now for some time, that we're going to see an increase in, in uh, respiratory infections and flus and COVIDs and all the rest of it. But it's rooted in um, the fact that there isn't a significant uptake of vaccines which are available. I would have thought of COVID. There would have been a sense of vaccines might be the way to go. Yeah, no? I, I don't know whether I should talk about personal situation. I have a two and a half year old and um, obviously very supportive of vaccines and mm. all the things. But I'm reading that and I was going, she hasn't got the flu vaccine. She's in the category. Not particularly panicked about it in the way I've got the flu vaccine myself. Um, but it's kind of, I, I don't know why, Anton. I, I can't answer the question. Funny, even I, though you've I was talking to a, a respiratory, uh, respiratory physician during the week and he was saying that in his experience of dealing with COVID, when he looked at the third wave of people who came in, he said, uh, obviously, a significant proportion of them were not vaccinated. Mm. But he said what he found fascinating was the reason for not being vaccinated was significantly not ideological. It was practical. It was I didn't have time. Yeah. I couldn't take the day off work. I meant to, but I didn't mm. get around to it. So maybe there's an element of that. with Or this. maybe people feel, well, if, if, if uh, their kids have had the, the COVID vaccine or more than one in the last while, maybe they've had enough and there is some sort of lingering reservation. There's also a debate around the fact that, I mean, part, a big part of the RSV debate over the last couple of weeks has been the fact that small kids, such as my lockdown baby, mm. have very little immunity because they saw nobody mm. for the guts of two years, let's be honest uh, about it. And so... I, I don't know whether uh, I feel like I should have taught this out now before I say something that, that my <laughs> oh, wife would kill me about no when I got it. Kevin, you'll be but, fine. but it's more in the sense that like I kind of feel like maybe she needs to get an L snotty nose there to build up a bit of immunity and I realise that's probably not a good answer. No, there, there are very interesting statistics yeah. around things for instance like I, kids who are brought up with dogs in the house. The fact that dogs tend to be a little bit filthier than mm. humans tends to be beneficial. You've lower rates I think it's asthma is the disease. You've slightly lower rates of, of asthma in adulthood and, if yeah, you're brought yeah, up around a dirty muggy. Oh, she's all right on and that overrated, score. Brenda. Let's be clear. Overrated. Be okay. <laughs> well, staying on this theme, then, um, are we are we wasting our time with the the stunning news that Dublin is to trial seagull proof bin bags? Um, this is that seagull proof bin bags are going to be trialled in Dublin city centre from the new year as the council moves away from plastic bin bags. With the idea being that this will stop seagulls tearing uh, up the bags and turning the centre of Dublin city into a dump. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the seagulls, as we know, have lost the run of themselves. I think that has been established for a while. But I was interested to see that in the debate on this particular proposal that these that the, these uh, seagull proof bags be introduced, someone suggested, I don't know who made the suggestion, that, that you know, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be targeting seagulls in particular because that might denigrate wildlife and you know we don't want anybody triggered by the suggestion that there is more of a propensity to vandalism in Dublin gulls than anywhere else. We've had enough of that 
this week? Well, I heard, I'm 90% sure it was on the Pat Kenny show, um, Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland, make a point about seagull habitat. And he said, more or less, and I'm paraphrasing significantly, they were here before we were. This is a nice little environment. It's by the sea. It's where they live. And we shouldn't resent them for wanting to continue nesting where effectively seagulls have always nested. Nesting where they like, but not stealing people's burgers. I mean, there were burgers here when they landed originally. Um, But uh, apparently there's something like a thousand streets in and around the city that are not accessible to, to the bin lorries. And that's why I, I don't I'm not entirely sure why, but there are a thousand streets where they can't use the solid wheelie bins with the lid. And so these bags have to be in use. And that's and the seagulls have a map. Of every, <laughs> <first street. laughs> yes, every young seagull is taught by its parents. Yes. Try this alley. I would have thought, though, maybe I'm denigrating our capital city. I would have thought the bins are kind of the least of our problems because it is very difficult to walk through Dublin city centre without seeing somebody buying, selling or consuming drugs these days. The, they're two different things, Anton. Seagulls and, and drugs? Yes. That's a fine point. <laughs> we but cannot blame the seagulls. Our, 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 our politicians do spend an inordinate amount of time talking about seagulls and never actually seem to do anything mm. about it. So this is interesting that at least in this instance it's going to be a trial. And these bags are, you know anyone who's ever gone to Ikea and they, you know that, you, you end up buying your shelves and your desk mm. and whatever and you get that big blue bag that you drag on the floor because you're never if you feel it you could never carry it it's that kind of a thing and I think that's why the concern is that they get a bit manky so they'll hold a lot more rubbish than the bin bags that are there but it's so I work in the in the city centre and uh, one of the councillors in, in this particular debate uh, cited Talbot Street which is where now I don't know <laughs> where the independent is based so we won't take it personally but she described it as a place you can't get out the hell out of fast enough Um and it is. No, 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 let's, let's wallow in the quote. This is Councillor Deirdre Heaney, and yeah, what she, she said literally Talbot Street is, quotes, a place you just want to get the hell out of very quickly. It's absolutely filthy and full of independent journalists. Yes, yeah, so that's where I spend most of my week, um, is on Talbot Street. And it is absolutely, you're right, Anton, on that street, there are seagulls everywhere and there are drugs everywhere. And both of them should be cleaned up somehow mm. because it is it is shocking we actually redecorated the office for want of a better word refurbished the office recently and we put a nice outdoor area where you can go out and sit out and have your lunch um, the problem is they had to put netting across it to, to keep the to seagulls, the seagulls stealing, stealing, your your, stealing your lunch and but the one problem that they didn't really factor in was that it's it's netting uh, they can still uh, first day I sat out there by by literally centimetres missed a nice seagull shower on my head. So it's in uh, the big scheme of things, you'd rather them steal your burger than yes, crap on it. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. um, tech saying every week I'm shocked by the level of rubbish in Dublin city centre, particularly on Friday and Saturday. I hate having visitors from abroad come to Dublin because it's frankly embarrassing for them to see rubbish strewn across the street. This is a yeah. fine point. I, I was a couple of years ago in New York, having not been there since the 80s, couldn't get over the fact that it was clean. Mm. It's actually very yep. clean and it's a much more complicated place to keep clean yep. than is Dublin. And we have a pretty good record in doing it in other cities. It was in Galway during the week. The area around Air Square looked lovely. Mm. How are we in, unable to do it in Dublin? I don't know. I mean, whether it's the, it's the lack of bins, because I know that they did remove a lot of bins some years ago because people were using them to dump domestic rubbish, certainly around the suburbs. But it, it, whether it's the lack of bins, the lack of the emptying of bins, or and a huge element of it is actually people's just absolute disregard for the state of their capital city. They just chuck their rubbish on, on the ground. I mean, look at the state of um, the, 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 what do you call it, the electric picnic site 
you know, nobody. This is the generation that's supposed to be concerned about the environment, supposed to be concerned about conservation. They walked away and they left their rubbish, their 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 sleeping bags, their their tents, and their plastic bottles all over the place. So I mean, why is this message not getting through? But um, I was surprised because I was uh, on a train the other day, and the carriage was absolutely stuffed. And at the end of the journey, everybody got up and walked up and left all of their stuff, their sandwich bags, their empty co- coke cans, all the rest mm. of it, on the tables in the train. And I was just looking at them going, "Do you think that goes mm. away by magic? Yeah. Like somebody mm. has to come in and clean it? Well, like it, no hassle, just it's, carry it it's, off it's, or just it's, stick it's, it in a bin." It's that it's, old argument, isn't it? Oh, look, it, it keeps someone in a job if they can go around picking up after you. <laughs> but it is my filthiness is altruism. <laughs> definitely an ideological thing. I was looking at the the um, the, the, the dressing room after the Japanese, the Japanese players yeah. left it. It was absolutely spick and span. But not only that, but the Japanese fans went around with bin bags and picked up their rubbish before they left the stadium. There's limits, Brenda. There's (laughs) limits. There's limits. Uh, Tech saying, why is it that Dublin is so bad for rubbish everywhere? Like you said, it seems to be so much worse than other cities in Ireland. And in relation to, we were talking about Northern Ireland and the border pole, money will be a key for United Ireland. Telling a nationalist that their nice car costs two and a half thousand euro to tax south of the border or a GP is 60 euro to visit often drains their enthusiasm for all things united. And one final one on the rubbish. Is it is it up to us to be taking more personal responsibility about tidying our capital city? My daughter often picks up rubbish she finds on the street, but she shouldn't have to. By God, fair play to her. But for you couldn't that. you can't blame just to you know, just to come back to that point. Um, you can't blame people, I suppose, for throwing rubbish on the street when they see drug dealing going on openly in front of them. Well, this was the old New York thing about the broken windows, wasn't it? That you set a base level of standards and everything rises, although there was a suggestion that it rise by heading for Brooklyn. But anyway, Brenda Power, columnist on the Sunday Times at Irish Daily Mail and Kevin Doyle, um, Talbot, almost permanent resident (laughs) and group head of news, the Irish Independent guys. Thank you very much. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.